Welcome to the Bad Podcast. The podcast about three Asian dudes from the Bay. Who only want one thing. Real, Real talk. talk. Welcome back to the Bad Podcast. It is still season two, episode six. And today we're talking about curbing your biases. Or checking your biases. I used curb because it was curb your enthusiasm. But anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was like a topic that I kind of wanted to do in like a three-part episode. This was something where we kind of talked about stereotypes in the SF on a lighter note. Talked about Asian biases or stereotypes. And then now I, we kind of wanted, I wanted to do it in a way where we check it, check it in ourselves and see how you know, we might stereotype other people or, you know, how our unconscious biases might affect other people. Nice. So first of all, we're going to start with the question of the day. This was also something I'm, I've always been interested in. And it was the argument of like, quote unquote, like, I am colorblind, that I don't acknowledge people's ethnicity because you treat everybody the same. And I just wanted to understand like what everybody's thoughts on that saying was. Yeah, so it's funny because I actually use this line a lot when I play Dungeons and Dragons because, <laughs> because that, well, the Dungeons and Dragons is a role-playing game, right? And in the game, you get to pick your race a lot. Or you get to pick your race, whether you're an elf or a human or a gnome or something like that. And whenever the dungeon master asks, what race are you? I say, I don't see through that lens. But anyways, <laughs> my real answer, back from that side note, is um, I feel like you have to mm. acknowledge someone's race. And I mean, personally, like I, I try to always acknowledge um, someone's race whenever it comes to, I don't know, any time that we have to do that. I'll give you one example. Not for me personally, but one example um, uh, is, the, is, right, say you're judging two students coming out of high school, both of them at 4.0, but one came from, you know, is black and came from like a predominantly black neighborhood, and one is white who came from a predominantly well, like, rich white neighborhood. That black person's 4.0 might mean a lot more, right? If mm -hmm. they were able to maintain that 4.0 with limited resources, right? So you can't like look at them and say like, oh, like I'm colorblind, you know, they, they both achieve the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's possible with what they were given, right? There, there might be something you're missing there. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that point. I think for me, I'm gonna say something really cheesy first and then I'm gonna give my actual answer. <laughs> uh, life is better in color, right? I mean, we don't wanna see things in black and white, right? I mean, for me, it's about celebrating and acknowledging the differences between all of us, right? Everyone has their own story, everyone has their own background. Um, whether you're Asian, white, black, Latinx, whatever. Not only in that, but also just like where you're from, your own upbringing, everything. Everyone has their own story. And so I think that's what makes life beautiful and so diverse. So to say that you're colorblind and you don't see anybody, that means you don't see people for who they really are. And so I think that's why it's not, I think it's almost a way, and not to say it hide, your, your bias, but almost, right? Say you're colorblind is like, oh, I, I don't acknowledge anyone's like background or their actual differences. You're almost just saying like, nah, I don't see anyone for who they are, right? That's almost what it seems, sounds like to me. Yeah, I mean, not to like completely echo what everyone was saying, mm -hmm. but you know, I, you know, for a good majority of my life, you know, I kind of had like that, that, that mindset to be mm -hmm. honest, um, where, you, you know, I didn't really believe in treating Okay, well, okay, not that I treat people differently, but yeah. it's like, I didn't really believe in like viewing in that lens, mm. mainly because it's like, I wanted to give everybody like equal opportunity. You know, it was kind of like, mm. it was that like mindset of everybody is, okay, I don't know how to, everybody is equal in my eyes, but 
it that disregards that discredits like what happened before then and i think that was yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah and that was like the one thing that really like shifted my mindset um Mm. and you know like that really opened my eyes that is something that i'm gonna touch on like way later in the episode but yeah actually really quick before i move on actually i really like that you brought that up because again that's how i feel now but if i'm being honest when i was growing up i didn't feel that way i felt like yeah. colorblind was better and i wish people were colorblind because i was so different from everybody else i think when you live in a more predominantly like white neighborhood like i did i mean you literally only have two colors you have white and non-white right and it's majority white so as someone who was a minority and distinctly a minority, I almost wish people would see him in black and white because then I could be ignored or I could be at least equal as everybody else. I think only until later when I met more people with way even more diverse backgrounds that I realized that seeing color is important. But I think before then, I think for my own advantage back then, I was hoping that people would see more color black because otherwise I wouldn't, so I wouldn't get called out on being Asian all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will add though, just on the other side of that coin, like when it, perhaps does pay to be quote unquote colorblind is like when you're making friends, right? Like you don't want to make friends based on race or anything like that, right? You just want to make friends based on who's like, who's good to you, who's loyal to you and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, right? And kind of should kind of like perhaps be a little more, less, less, like based on race, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, But but when it comes to, I don't know. Everything else. Everything else, (laughs) yeah, I guess, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally get it. And And I don't want to say like, we don't treat people as equals. I, th- I think we should all strive to treat everybody as equals, but I think it's just like having that sort of like knowledge base of like people do have, like up to that point, people are treated differently right. and have different upbringings and stuff right. like that. Totally. That being said, I just want to preface before we get into the into like the meat of the podcast that like, like I myself, I've only been like recently uncovering all this stuff in the, like the last like one to two years. Mm-hmm. So I'm not definitely not like very knowledgeable in this, but this is something that I wanted to kind of have that open dialogue with them with, yeah. with like, you know, the other guys. Yeah. So in the end, like if you think we're wrong and stuff like that, like definitely let us know. We see you in the comments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Appreciate and, y'all. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So moving into the bit of the meat. So I kind of want to start with like, you know, Asians in general. Because of Asian stereotypes, do you think we get any privileges? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. You know, in terms of Asian stereotypes, or sorry, Asian privileges, I think yes. And but I want to, I kind of want to take a different spin on the answer. So, as a Korean American, uh, my parents really prioritized education. The reason why I would make that distinction is that I know that not not all Asian races feel the same. And I think that we need to again, we've advised in our previous episodes to not think of Asians as a monolith. So I'm trying to do the same. So going back to the whole bias question like I don't want to assume every Asian and every Asian family or every Asian race prioritizes education that being said my family from a Korean background definitely prioritized education and so I think with that in mind that meant that they dedicated a lot of resources being money and time to my education which gave me a lot of privilege right I think that is the stereotype about Asians that like we're like again very heavily academic and that is that was true for the case of me as well whether it was Kumon, our SAT prep. My parents took me, much to my chagrin, like I didn't want to go, but again, it was their prioritization of that. 
so that I would excel, uh, you know, later in life. And then they also, you know, set aside budget for for my college education, things like that. Again, I think that's a privilege. Not everyone gets that, right? Some people, a lot of people have to apply for student loans. I actually didn't even get student loans. Like that's how lucky I was even to get take it even a step further, which I know not everyone gets that same opportunity. So. I know it's a lot, um, but this sort of stereotype of like Asians are like good at school and good at academics, like yeah, played in my favor in that sense, right? On a less serious note, as a Korean, I also get privileges at Korean restaurants. That's <laughs> <laughs> really true. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know what it is, and I've noticed that whenever I go to a Korean restaurant, especially in the Bay, like there's not a lot of Koreans in the Bay in general, right? So I feel like as a Korean, when I go to these places and I speak in my broken ass Korean, I get like a like either free shit or better service. Like I don't know what it is and why it works out that way. Though interesting fact, not the bad break of the day, <laughs> but in Korea, there's this term called, well, it's, it's, it's an English, it's a Korean English term, but it's service or service, right? The idea is that when you spend a lot of money uh, or if they know you really well, they give you stuff for free, right? And I kind of take that to my, you know, I use that definitely in, uh, in Korean restaurants where I'll speak in Korean, I'll like be really nice, I'll tip well or I'll buy expensive stuff and I'll hopefully get more, more free stuff, so. Yay, Korean privileges. It's <laughs> like that dim sum place. Oh, Coin Palace. Yeah, Coin Palace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know someone, you're gonna get seated quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is hella funny that you said that because I that I did notice mm. when I would like, go to Korean restaurants with like Korean people mm -hmm. and I was just like, let them order and yeah. it's like you get like hella good service. But it's hella funny though, because like when you like speak Chinese to like a Chinese, Chinese restaurant, restaurant, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. like, they probably like treat you worse. <laughs> they have to put up the guise of customer service. Yeah, it's like, all right. This, this, this guy's this guy knows what's up. Yeah, he, he's just here for the food. We got it. We got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about like any societal um, privileges that Asians get. It was kind of hard for me to like point one out, pick one out. But I think within the Asian community, Asians really like to hook each other up when it comes to opportunity, right? By virtue of you being Asian, mm. I think a lot you, you you may find yourself a little bit ahead in opportunities mm. if you know like the person judging you or the person. Um, helping you out in whatever circumstance is Asian, right? Even if they don't like particularly know you or trust you. And again, this is like my experience. Maybe other Asians have had a different experience. And I know that we like Han totally just broke down. Like, you know, we don't see Asians as a monolith, but again, this is just my experience. Mm. But you know, like whether it comes to, I don't want to say jobs, that's like taking a little bit far, but just, I don't know, like, like an intern opportunity or like a volunteer opportunity or, or something like that, you know, it, or, you know, I, there was an instance where I was like in this really long line. I'm not going to disclose like what it was for anything else but I was in this long line to get into the shop the shop hadn't opened yet and there was you know no nah, I wouldn't say a bouncer but just a guy taking names at the door kind of thing and, and keeping track of, of, of who was whatever and then an Asian guy came out store hadn't opened yet and he was kind of like looking around and an Asian guy came out spoke some Chinese to him and then the Asian guy said oh I'm gonna like take this guy in really quick and, and help him out and then the bouncer was kind of like, oh, I guess if you speak the language, then you get to go in first kind of thing. And I was, oh. was kind of like, oh, like, I didn't want like necessarily like agree, disagree. Like I was in line, but I was like, whatever. I mean, yeah. like it must be something like not that important if it's someone to see him first. But it, it's that kind of, I, I'm, I'm not trying to like play the race card in yeah. terms of like, you know, I'm not saying Asians always help each other out mm. and, you know, they put each other first. I wouldn't say I'm not going that far, but just in terms of like, there, there is an element of like trust there that I, that I kind of see and, and, and acknowledge within the Asian community. To your point, I mean, you, you said you want to take it as far as jobs, but honestly, if I'm, if I'm being totally honest, if I go in for a job interview and the person who's interviewing me is Asian, I, I am honestly way more relaxed. Hmm. I'll just be totally honest about that. I, I don't know if it's like a, maybe I have my own unconscious bias behind that, but for me, whenever I guess I'm, I'm talking to someone who's Asian, I always feel like we're, it's almost like the same level. It's not always the case, obviously, yeah. but 
I find that if I am working with somebody who is Asian, I tend to like relax more. Mm-hmm. Weird as that is. And it's like not something you're like thinking about. And yeah, it's not yeah, something yeah. you're choosing to do. It's just like, I, I don't know, it's, it's instinct. It's just- It could be like that cultural connection. Yeah, yeah there's just something yeah, there, yeah, right? Like yeah. we're not choosing to, to be relaxed and to hope for an Asian or whatever, whatever. That's right, just, right. It just happens, it just to, happens for some reason right. we feel that way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I mean, like one of the, like, the Asian stereotypes that I get a lot in like the professional workplace mm-hmm. is that I'm like really good at math. <laughs> it's funny because like I was really bad at math. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it is funny because like now my work all involves math. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're good at Excel and Excel is good at math, yeah. You, yeah. Thereby, yeah. Therefore, you are good at math. Yeah. I'm just more. I'm just better at googling to be yeah. honest. <laughs> um, but I mean, in all honesty, yeah. A part of me always does get, feel like I do get that, like, quote unquote, like, credit that mm-hmm. I'm good at math because I'm Asian. Because, mm-hmm. like, I've definitely gone out and then people are just like, oh, can you calculate the tip? And I'm just like, <laughs> cool, I guess I can pull it You think I can calculate the tip? I was like, uh, Carry sure. the one. You know, like, you know, it, it was like when I was going out with, like, my coworkers. And was, but, I mean, you know, like, at the time, like, my role is analyst, was being an analyst. Not saying that that's right or wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, I I do half believe that you know I do get like that credit mm-hmm. that that like nudge of like yeah. I, I'm probably good at math because I'm Asian. You know what's really funny? So I'll, I'll be totally honest. When I looked up like things about like just when we were when we decided we were going to talk about like Asian privileges and, and biases and all that stuff, I I just did a little bit of like googling and just like looked at. What other people's thought on, on Asian privileges is because when I when you first came up with this question, I couldn't put my finger on it. Like I was, I felt like in some way we had advantages because we were Asian, but also not. And I, I couldn't figure out exactly why I felt that way. And the best explanation that I, I've found for that, I think there's this idea of proxy privilege. What I mean by that is that it's this, uh, just to define it, is that it's the idea that people of color are privileged as much as white people allow them to be. So what's interesting about that is I feel that's how Asians have been, I guess, treated, portrayed, whatever it is in the U.S. where Asians are kind of held in this pedestal as the model minority. We've, we've covered that in a previous episode, so I'm not going to go over that. So we're used to like almost pit against other minorities say, hey, they figured it out. They were able to make it. Why can't you? Right. That's number one. But at the same time, when it gets to the point of like like leadership positions or C-level executives, we talked about this also, there's not a lot of use in those positions, right? Yeah. So then, then we get like disadvantaged, right? So we're only as useful, we're only given as much privilege as white people allow us. Now, I have my own opinion on this, which is I feel like, again, this is me being totally honest and this may be controversial, but I feel like maybe white people don't see Asians as a threat, right? Maybe it's because we're emasculated, maybe it's because of the idea of like a docile, quiet nature, whatever it might be. I just feel like there's this idea that like Asians aren't a threat to white people, right, in general. And the idea is that like because of all that also, that's why they're also not considered for leadership positions. That is, I feel like the closest summary I've gotten to this, where it's like, I feel like there are some advantages to some degree, where like we're given like the benefit of the doubt, like you said, or like being told like, yeah, you're good at math, which is like a positive stereotype, right? And it works in our advantage, but at the same time too, that it's not enough that it's like, we feel like we're as equal as, right? So anyway, kind of a random sidebar, but that is something that I thought was interesting that I wanted to share. I mean, like to to that, mm-hmm. like something that, you know, we, you did mention on the last episode, but it, it was something that like I did really think about. I don't know if it's just more of that like cultural, mm-hmm. historical like mm-hmm. upbringings, right? Yeah. Americans 
have always been that like more outspoken, mm-hmm. like, you know, cultural, like, right. you know, background. Right. Whereas like for like a lot of Asian people, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of hierarchy, mm-hmm. a lot of like, you know, like, you know, being you, humble, being like, humble, yeah, 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 yeah. even like going as far back as like communism right. and you know, like obviously communism was never a thing in America, mm-hmm. whereas communism was like huge back in in like China. Oh, I mean, all throughout Asia, you got Vietnam and Korea too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, good point. So, I mean, I think that's just like maybe the cultural, but I, you know, I do slowly see a shift with like, you know, the Asian generations. Americans. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, like well, us born in the US. Yeah, and then, you know, to that, you know, do you, do you take advantage of these like Asian stereotypes, you know, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I take advantage of it sometimes, <laughs> you know, like um, sometimes I do play to the role of just being that like, you know, analytical guy. I mean, I am pretty analytical yeah, to be yeah. honest, but you know, I do play to it sometimes, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, do I think it's right? That's where I kind of struggle, right? Yeah. Because it's like, it is an advantage for me mm-hmm. and would I be an idiot or, what, you know, would it be like not the right move for me to like take advantage of any advantage I get? That's a really interesting point that you bring that up because I actually have the exact same example. My story is when I was at a previous company and I was I was in full time. I was hired with some alongside somebody else who wasn't Asian, but I was given all the data projects. Like they're like, oh yeah, hey, we need you to do an analysis on this. Like, hey, can can you do it? And they just kept giving it to me. Uh, the thing is, the company was very like data like focused, right? So like that work was impactful and that was highly seen across the company and like it played well to me. But I'm not necessarily better at math. I don't think I was. And yeah. I, I don't think that it was necessarily fair that I was getting all these things, but it was better for me, right? And it ended up working out for me. And, and so, yeah, I've definitely used it to my advantage. To your second question of is it right? Man, I can see it in one way, <laughs> right? Like to your, in, in a fair and equal world, no, it's not right, yeah. right? Because I mean, given these advantages because of stereotypes that are of like my race, right? At the same time too, like, there's also a part of me that honestly wants to say like, dude, take any advantage you can get, yeah. right? Like, so it's hard for me to say like, without a shadow of a doubt, like, oh no, it's not right and it shouldn't happen. Like, if I'm being selfish, like shit, yeah, it worked out for me, so it was yeah. great, right? So, is it right? <laughs> no. Is it fair? No. Um, did I appreciate it? Honestly? Yeah. Shit, I'll be honest about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's kind of where, where I fall. I mean, but it's also, I think it's also hard to really boil it down to like, are we getting these opportunities specifically because we're Asian too, Good point. right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure there's a, you know, it's, there's a lot of gray area in terms of like, did you also get these opportunities because of merit or because of whatever, you know, anything else. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't really have a big answer on like the race card, but mm-hmm. all I can say is like, if you are given these opportunities yeah. and advantages, I feel like just like, don't waste it. Yeah. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, if you were blessed with an advantage, like make sure you do something big or good with it kind of thing. <sighs> no, really, no. Do I even I, really want to say I, that though? I, I, no, but I, I like where you're going with that because I think that's the, it's this idea of like, the advantage was going to go to someone, but yeah. and it ended up in you, like independent of the, the race thing. Like, uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's it's this idea of recognizing your privilege, right, or recognizing sure. the advantage, like acknowledging it, acknowledging it, right. I think it's right. it's a lot less a matter of like, oh, I was given this thing and I should throw it away because right. it's a privilege. Like, right. that's not, I think, right. the, the lesson. I think the lesson is recognize it, understand that that's something that you have, 
pay it like, forward. Yeah, pay it forward. I think is the best. Is, is probably the best way that you, yeah. could, you could address it. Yeah, but I think I acknowledging like is always the first step of like, yeah. hey, you got this advantage because of something. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, I would say though, kind of just not to like, you know, just follow up on. Yeah. You know, it's like in the professional world, yeah. in like the office you know, day to day kind of thing. It is kind of hard to like pass up like these like opportunities because like, you know, I've been there where it's just like, well, if it's not me, it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's somebody else. The work is going to get done. But then at the same time, it's like pay it forward. But I think it's just like maybe out in like in the general public, maybe try not to. Or, or, or I think the other thing too, is that like when you, when you get to a position of making those decisions or power. Yeah, I mean, honestly, right? I mean, because I think that's the idea is that like, as we start to get older and get in those positions where you can make those kinds of decisions, then we have then the ability at that point to have checked our own privilege and our own biases to make better informed decisions. Right. I think that's the idea because like, if we're being honest, like this stuff has only really surfaced in the past couple of years. Like you said, like yeah. you haven't even been aware of this stuff like the past year or two. I wasn't aware of it until I joined my recent company right. uh, because they made an effort to talk about it. But until then it wasn't something that I was like consciously thinking of. But I think that there's also just more conversation around this, whether it's because of the Black Lives Matter movement or everything else of this talk of privilege, yeah. right? Even that honestly, that conversation of who has privilege or not, I haven't had until this time, yeah. I think, right? And so I'm hoping that as we are more conscious of this and as we age up into these positions of power and frankly, those who are maybe potentially more biased or racist, really, I mean, age out, yeah. hopefully of the working system, that we can start to right some of these wrongs. Right, foster yeah. that environment that right. is just like, okay, what biases do we have? Right. How can we create a better environment from yesterday? Correct, right, and that's, that's where I think where we can do it. Like to your point, like, yeah, we're still on the ground. We're still young. We're trying to like find our way up. And I think that as long as we're not doing it in a shady way, yeah. right? obviously not like not stepping over people, but if there are advantages that you are given, using them to your own advantage within, like we said, paying it forward in some way or shape or form, especially down the line. Yeah, that'll take us to our bad break. was something I'm not gonna lie I had no idea until like <laughs> 20 minutes ago yeah. uh, when Han told me about it but there's this thing called we're just gonna take it on a light way way lighter note uh, there's, <laughs> there's this thing called k-pop bias in k-pop fandom bias refers to a fan's favorite member from a particular idol group the colloquialism is extremely common within fandom and is used frequently by Western fans. The term it itself has no set meaning, though is typically synonymous with the word favorite. Yeah, it's uh, I, we didn't cover this in the K-pop episode, but I think this is a nice like parlay uh, from both. Yeah, it's like this, I mean, I've heard it and I didn't understand it for a long time. Like, oh, who's your bias? Like, what do you mean who's my, my bias? It's like, who's your favorite member on, on, the, on the group? So uh, I think I feel like people who listen to K-pop like and have that fandom tend to have like a favorite. Gotcha. Yeah. That's why Doug knew what it was. His favorite is Jisoo. His bias is Jisoo. <laughs> Ergo, he yeah. knew what a bias was. Right, I gotta Google who. <laughs> <laughs> She's on Blackpink. Uh, Don't ask me how I know that. One of our friends, for example, as you know, like he talks about Rose from Blackpink all the time. Like he has it as like the background on his phone, on his like laptop. Like I think that's the, that would be a definition of like a bias. <laughs> <laughs> cool. On that, K-pop note that I have no idea about. That's gonna take us to the second half.
Welcome back from the bad break. I hope you enjoyed that useless K-pop. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that semi-useful K-pop fact, I guess. Glass, um, glass half full. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, now we're just going to kind of, like, lead into, like, rather than, like, inwards, but I'm still inwards, but also, like, uh, from ourselves to outwards. Mm. And it'll kind of make sense as we kind of go along. Have you guys ever had any stereotypes about other groups that has affected the way that you treated others? And, like, the reason why I kind of, like, asked this was, like, I think growing up in, like, an Asian household, there are a lot... You know, I'm not, I'm just gonna say it like, you know, Asian people are like pretty racist sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to their fault or maybe not to their fault. You know, I think it's just a lot of like their upbringing yeah. from prior generations, right? Like, you know, I think it's a lot of, I don't know, maybe animosity or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's just like different upbringings from, from like generation to generation. Yeah. But, you know, and so when I was taking this bystander intervention training, there was something that, Someone asked, um, this was like during the stop API hate. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause you know, a lot of it, you know, it was a little scary. Um, but someone asked like how they should feel because the, they, they said you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, the, the instant reaction is flight or fight. Mm -hmm. And what the moderators were saying was like, don't, don't fight. Cause obviously that will lead to more like, you know, more hate. And don't don't run from it either. And then so someone asked like, what should they do? Right. And what they said was like, oh, kind of just embrace it, mm. right? Because like whatever you're feeling now is exactly what other people, like what other races have been feeling for like a long time, right? Yeah. You know that fear. So kind of embrace it. You know, kind of take it in and just create the empathy right. towards like how you view other races. Right. And you know, like you know, I won't lie. Like prior to that point. It was, you know, I struggled with, with like stereotyping and not stereotyping people, right? Because at the time, you know, I would see like a lot of Asian people getting like, you know, getting beat by like black people right. and stuff like that. And, you know, me growing up in the city, it's like, I know for a fact that I can get jumped at any time by anybody, mm -hmm. but how do I, how do I go out, stay safe? but not be racist. Yeah, basically, not be racist, right? Yeah. And just be like, whoa, bro, like, like, don't approach me. I think you're gonna like jump me, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Like, like, you know, and it was like, for the longest time, it was very hard for me to like, draw be draw myself between that line. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And you know, to, to be honest, I still kind of like struggle with that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just kind of curious. This is a really interesting question. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, there's a couple things I want to say. Number one, I'm glad that you brought this topic up because I think it is pretty important to talk about and it's a difficult thing to talk about. To your point of, do I feel like I've ever stereotyped other groups and how has that affected my actions? Yeah, I mean, in the sort of spirit of honesty and being open with you guys and with our listeners, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, to your point about our parents, like you said, they came from a different generation, right? I don't think they had manager bias trainings where they came <laughs> from, right? And so uh, that being said, I, you know, I remember, so we, my dentist, when I was growing up, was in Japantown uh, in, in SF, right? But Japantown like borders TL, right? So when you go to Japantown, you, do, do you know where like the, really random, do you know where like the KFC is or like the Safeway on the other side of Japantown? Um, oh, is it the one it's in where, that lot near the Popeyes? Well, I was going to say that. What origin I was going to say, like, Popeyes. Yeah, 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 well, Popeyes. Yeah, let's go with Popeyes. But also where Origin Nightclub is. But anyway, on that side, it's closer to the TL, right? And yeah. so there's actually a lot of uh, businesses there. And one of the businesses that I used to go to was a dentist. Long story short, basically, we would go to that parking lot a lot. And there were people that would come from like, the TL that were there. There was like, a whole mix of you know people there. 
And my mom, again, she's a great person. I don't want anyone like to trash her on this or anything like that, but. She's a know, lovely she, woman. Yeah, she is. Uh, but you know, she would, anytime she saw a black person walking towards the car, she would lock the doors, right? And it's something super small. And it's something probably, I don't even know if she was conscious she was doing it even. Like, she'd be like, oh, literally be on her phone and it would just like hit the lock button, right? But it almost, and, but it was like a pattern. Because we would go to the dentist, every, you know, at least at least once a year for our cleanings and shit. And so, I would just see her do that. And so, like, I, frankly, if I'm being totally honest, I would mimic this sort of same thing. Where, you know, I would I would lock the doors when I see people, like, a black person coming to the car. Because I was worried. Because that's what I was taught, right? I think as I got older and I realized that. Like seeing all black people as a threat is is wrong, uh, and that's something that both the media as well as even some of our, I think Asian elders have like told us or have taught us to think of that way is is incorrect as well. So I definitely don't think that way anymore. Now I just lock the door as soon as I park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but because like San Francisco is a dangerous place right now, right? Like it's anybody. So uh, no, but in, in all honesty, I think that that has helped me at least to kind of get over that initial sort of like. I was raised that way sort of thing. So that's just one stereotype of like, that I have of other races that have affected my actions, but I have since been more conscious of and tried to correct. To your point about, and I know I'm talking a lot here, so I'll kind of wrap this nah, up. you good. But in terms of your, the thing you talked about, which is like the whole like, what do you do as a bystander, right? The whole flight or flight situation. I think that this just goes to show that we just need to be more aware and hear each other's stories. It's these moments in real life that you can't duplicate over the internet. You can talk about your experience, you can share it, and people will read it and empathize and do all this stuff, but until you feel that feeling, or even be near that sort of feeling, do you understand how awkward, how terrible, how awful it feels for anybody to be stereotyped, to be biased against in those things? Like you read stats on like, you know, people who are black or Asian gets like less home loans or shown less homes than people who are white, things like that. And you read that and you get outraged, sure. But when you see it in real life, when someone actually says something racist to you or to somebody next to you, that's a whole different feeling, right? And so to your point of like, when you see that happening to another race of people, um, I think it's important to, like you said, to like soak that in because you don't, that that is a daily thing for somebody else, right? You're not gonna understand or empathize with that person until you feel what they feel. It's easy to push it away or like ignore it or be like, that's not my problem or whatever. But I think it's important as people to people that we understand that struggle because only when you understand that, then you can empathize and make start making changes. So, that was kind of a long-winded answer, but I think it's really important to recognize those feelings and those differences that other people have. And you're not gonna get that unless you surround yourself by of different people. Yeah, following that one up is gonna be hard. Let me tell you <laughs> sorry, that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no. I'm real passionate about no, it. No, no, but yeah. I, I'll, like, let me just speak to my experience in, yeah. in, in reference to that answer, right? Like, look, I'm a pretty small guy. I ain't gonna, you know, overpower anyone. And when it comes to like seeing conflict in the streets or whatever else, like it would be pretty difficult for me to put myself in between you know, two people who were having a conflict. Let me tell you about this time that I was witnessing an event, mm -hmm. right? I was at a Home Depot. I didn't quite see what happened, but I saw like an African-American man like pushing a cart one way or another, I don't know, Asian guy, somewhere around my age, probably like a little bit bigger build. There was some kind of shoving going on, some some sort of back and forth. And then, you know, it, it kind of turned into a scene. No, no, no like elbows or fists were thrown or anything like that, mm -hmm. but it was like a little bit of talk. They weren't even like face to face. The black guy was just kind of like going about his business, but like, you know, whatever else. And then um, the Asian guy is just like, you know, fuck it, like, I'm gonna call the cops, pull out my phone. And he starts like calling the cops or whatever else, like talking about harassment, this and that, you know, Home Depot is like just trying to come and investigate, whatever else. And I was kind of just like, did it really need to come down to you like calling the cops right mm -hmm. away? Like, if it, I don't, I don't know if there was some kind of like disrespect or shoving. Like, did you really like? Did it have to escalate to calling the cops? Mm -hmm. And I feel like you know, 
had that been an Asian person or whatever else, like, would that person have called the cops? I don't know. And so, like, as a bystander, right, like, instinctively, perhaps up to that point, as an Asian guy with a small build, I was not going to defend or put myself in between anyone else. I would, you know, like, like you said, fight or flight, I would typically fly just to be from, you know, a way to safety. Yeah, and that's yeah. what my parents would teach me too, right? Like, you know, it's okay if uh, this stuff is happening, just make sure you're safe, get out of there. Mm. But like in that specific example and in that moment, I kind of like stopped. And like, I, I was like more or less ready to like jump in. I, or at least in my, in, like in my heart, like kind of felt ready. Like, mm. look, I can't let this escalate to anything else. Like mm. whatever, whatever, whatever. But like, I was really, I felt myself like soaking in that moment, really like watching this Asian guy, like call the cops on this guy for, for just like really small, like, you know, there was, I don't know, maybe like an elbow or a shove or something like that, but it was like, did it really have to, to go to that? And I like, sure, like the Asian guy couldn't have been like in the wrong, but like, I was really feeling for that. Like, is that really what you have to put up with? Yeah. Like if, you know, right. let me, what, maybe you were in a bad mood, maybe it was like the wrong trip and like, you know, and so yeah. just soaking that in, I think is really valuable. Mm. Um, mm. It's hard for me to like really answer like the, the root of what your question was, but speaking to Han's example of like what it is to be a bystander, soaking in and feeling in, and feeling that and feeling it from both sides is I think invaluable, really mm. important. Mm. And I know that was really long and strung out, but the, the, the core of what I want to get across is yes, soaking it in is important. Yeah. And getting almost back to like the, uh, one of the questions from the first part, right? Talked about privileges. I know that was some of the things we, one of the things that you and I talked about off the recording. Yeah. Was also just like the fact that Asian people feel like they could call the cops. Yeah. Right? I mean, if we're talking about just the mistreatment of black people in the United States by police officers, the fact that Asians can feel comfortable calling the cops or when they get pulled up, they don't feel like they're going to be profiled in any way, in that way, right? I think that's almost a privilege in and of itself. I don't, I didn't mean to take it that far back. No, 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 yeah, you're good. It's almost like a perfect parlay to what you were saying earlier. I mean, you know, kind of growing up in like the Asian household, Mm -hmm. I I think I had like that, that initial biases against like other ethnicities, but I would say that like ever since, because you know, I I, kind of went from like predominantly Asian middle school, grade school to predominantly Asian. Uh, high school right. to eventually like being like finally being a minority mm-hmm. and I think that really kind of like opened my eyes and made me more that's kind of like where the whole like quote-unquote colorblind like s- started happening right it was just like okay like I'm no longer surrounded by a bunch of Asians mm-hmm. you know gotta treat people as equals yeah. and it wasn't like way till till way later I would say like mm-hmm. maybe less couple years where I started really just you know being a little bit more conscious about it like being a little bit more conscious about like how I view other people how I view myself and uh, you know checking my privileges and I think that was like the biggest thing and like it's been eye-opening for me at least but yeah I mean that kind of really leads to you know something that I want to be able to give to our community, right? right? You know, like, I, w- you know, if you guys have questions about this, like, definitely, like, let us know. But, you know, to, for me, like, I'm very, very functional type of person. So right. it's like, what is, well, like, fr- from you guys' perspective, like, what is the smallest thing we can do or I can do or our listeners can do in order to co- uncover our own unconscious biases? I didn't really think about this question ahead of time, but the core, at least, of how I've been trying to live my life in terms of trying to uncover those biases is just ask a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. In terms, in terms like of that. like when you're trying yeah. to get to know someone or if you're making, if you're passing judgment on someone for any reason, right? Like let's just say you had to pass judgment on someone, right? You, you like I was talking about in the very beginning of the episode, like you can't judge someone strictly based on like their achievements or whatever. So you, you have to kind of uncover what they had to go through to like get there, 
you know, who they are, perhaps, you know, what their family had to face um, and, and the resources that they had um, in order to, to be where they are, in order to get to where they are, right? You, you can't just judge the, the surface of what you see and your interactions with them, right? Their, their life and their achievements is so much deeper, right? Imagine, perhaps, to our listeners, if someone had passed that same judgment on you, right? They judged you based just based on your grade point average or just based on your recent achievements at work and that person claimed to know all about you, right? I got, I got John, you know, all figured out, whatever else. You would feel like insulted, right? Like you, you, mm. you'd be like, you don't know me. Like you mm. don't know like whatever, who I dated, what school I went to. You don't know like how much the teacher hated me or, or, or like, you know. You don't know my life. Yeah, you don't know my life, exactly, <laughs> right? You know, like single family home, whatever else. And so I feel like asking those questions, right? Really rolling back what you think you know about someone can go a long way. Mm. I, I think it's really easy for me to say, like, be empathetic, be, you know, have those dialogues with people. Mm. But in all honesty, I, like, you're not going to do that unless you're aware. Um, it, it's hard to be empathetic when you're not really surrounded by it or when you're not having the dialogue. And mm. it's hard to have that dialogue if you're not really surrounded by it. Mm. So I kind of, like, I really had to, like, reframe how I really wanted to answer this. Mm-hmm. And the way that I would be able to, you know, the smallest thing I think you can do is, you know, like kind of like do what we're doing, right? Yeah. You know, like having like a small group, like I'm not, you know, my, my company, my, my company tried having like a large conversation with like Asian hate mm-hmm. and I struggled to talk about that, Yeah. but it wasn't until we had like a group of like three really close coworkers mm-hmm. where I was kind of like really able to kind of talk, have that dialogue open and up it, open yeah. up about it. You know, even, even if it was like checking, checking myself and stuff like that, you know? And so that's what I would like part upon like our listeners is like maybe have that one person or two people or like, yeah, I mean, you know, number doesn't really matter, but yeah. whatever you're comfortable with where you're able to share and be heard mm-hmm. and where you're able to like kind of give feedback and get feedback. Yeah. Um, I would say like that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. But obviously, you know, like a lot of it is like a two-way street, right? You gotta want it in order to get it, because yeah, like total. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're not gonna like, you, you don't know, care. Yeah, well. if you don't care, then you're not gonna care. Yeah. Right? Actually, I would add like an example. Actually, one thing I'll say is like I really agree with that. Like having those kind of conversations. And one example that I would give was actually last year during the pandemic. And during like the BLM protests, like it was pandemic, so no one, you know, between us three and like all of our other friends, we weren't, we weren't seeing each other, right? You're right. And at, at some point, between the three of us and also all of our other guy friends, we had like a bro Zoom hangout, right? right? And we all like we're just catching up, having a couple of drinks, talking talking to each other, and, and seeing how that was. But one thing that Han did during that Zoom chat was just like pose a question, like, hey, like BLM has like been going off lately, right? A lot of protests. And I just wanted to get you guys' intake on that. Right? Mm-hmm. Intake, excuse me. Oh, like input on that kind of yeah. thing. And that conversation actually went really well. And yeah. I, I, we got yeah. like got to hear a lot of other people's perspectives and like talk about it. And 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 it gave the opportunity even for people just to be like, oh, I like I don't know what I think. You yeah. know, like I don't know if I have a perspective yet because I don't know enough kind of thing. But being able to like be in that environment to like listen was like I think really important. And for me, I, it felt really I don't know if liberating is the right word, but mm-hmm. but like because it was the pandemic. I only had like myself and my thoughts, right? Yeah, and yeah, so right. Be, being in an environment where you can talk about it actually went a long way. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you calling that out. And yeah, it was one of those things where I was just dying to talk about it. That's why I brought it up for like the guy group, and especially you guys too, to talking about like that whole movement. But in terms of unconscious bias and how to uncover it, 
it starts with, like you said, asking yourself the question of like, oh, yeah. why, right? Um, and like wanting to recognize those things and, and make those differences. I think to me, there are three steps. And I also want to be conscious of the fact that like not everyone's like a super vocal person. Like I think the three of us are pretty outspoken. We'll say our opinion and like kind of we'll, are willing to talk about it. But I fully recognize there are people out there, probably people who are listening who are not comfortable with that. Yeah. Like they just don't want to yeah. have that discussion. They don't have enough group, close group of friends that feel like they can have that conversation. They work at a place that doesn't encourage that sort of conversation. So with that in mind, for those listeners who are in that situation, my advice to you is meditate, I guess, or just like ask the question to yourself, right? Like, do I have any biases? What, what are they? Where do they come from? Um, I think it's, it's being able to think before you speak and or act. That's so difficult for this generation to do. Yeah. And myself included, right? But nah, I think, cancel everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just like thinking about why you think a certain way is is important. I think questioning everything is where is a really good, really good place to start. But those who are able to call things out, call it out. Like if you see it happening, say something. If it's happening to you, say how you feel. Um, I think that until we vocalize this happening, especially if someone who, like, we've talked about uncovering our own biases, right? But sometimes this happens because people have their own biases against us or against other people. Mm -hmm. And it's until they are made aware of those that will they change, right? So if you feel like like it's happening to you, say something. But even more importantly, if you feel like it's happening to somebody else, speak up on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Because I think I've been in enough situations where I wish I had someone who had said something. uh, That I wish one of the bystanders staring would say something, right? to the person who, my assailant or whoever. And so I think I would encourage all of us, because it happens in everyday life, yeah. is to just like call it out when you see it. It's as simple as that. I wouldn't say call it out as you see it. I think if I've learned anything from the bystander intervention, yeah, especially if you don't know whatever's happening, mm-hmm. I, like it's called I hollow back, look right. it up. It, okay. it was like super, it, it's obviously like, we'll check it out. you gotta do what you gotta do to yeah. like, Obviously, make yourself safe. Yeah. Obviously, if like some dudes like f you, you ching. Yeah, uh, you know, like hey, cool. This is marked as explicit. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll mark this episode as explicit. But you know, if you don't really know, like you know, the context yeah. and that, and you you don't feel comfortable like intervening. Like the biggest thing was to like you know do it for, intervene from like a safe manner yeah. and like you know just record it maybe and stuff like that. And I think it's just like but like be that resource for the person. But your safety is like the number one thing. Fair enough. Maybe I should have clarified. I think if you see it in like the workplace, if you uh, see it in your, if you see it in your own circle, if you see it happening within like your friends, then I think it's the safest call. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. If you see a random stranger <laughs> on the street, like <laughs> cussing at somebody, probably not safe to just walk in and be like, "Hey, you should check your bias." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, probably like, not the um, but yeah, I, was, I meant more so like, and if you see it, especially in like the professional workplace, yeah. you see that happening, you should call that shit yeah. out. If you see it within your friends, and that's even harder to do, but I think yeah. it's important to do. Yeah. Like we've, we talk to each other about keeping each other accountable, right? right? And I think that kind of falls in that same sort of category. There's nothing there that I don't disagree with. Mm. I will say though, however, I mean, from all our experiences, from what we've talked about like in this podcast, and I'm sure many other experiences out there that sometimes there's like a gray area. Like one thing we've talked about a lot, especially from Han, is um, is like microaggressions, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like yeah. perhaps not clear right. that what they're doing is coming from a bad place, right? right? And so I think if you don't know or you're not clear about something, right? Just saying that like you don't know yeah. or you're not clear about, like it's okay to admit 
that you don't know like what's going on mm. kind of thing. And so having those conversations with people who are willing to listen, I think can, can go a long way in, in terms of helping one or helping someone um, recognize their biases. Yeah, kind of like recognize their biases or like yeah. piece things together in a way that like makes sense. Yeah, and to your point, I think, like you said, it's not only is it okay to recognize that you, you don't that have you don't know, know yeah. or you don't know, yeah. but I think that's an important step yes. to then forming an opinion. Right. Right. Exactly. I think until you until you become aware of the issue, because if someone like stops in the streets and is like, "What do you think of your unconscious biases?" You're like, I don't know. Yeah. Unless you're actively thinking about it, right. but I guarantee you that question will you be thinking about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because we talk about like really big ideas here, right? Yeah. Like step in or like call it out, whatever. But sometimes yeah. it's not that clear cut, right? right and right. so just yeah. being able to acknowledge and, and and ask yourself like, "Is that right?" Yeah. Can go a long way. For sure. And so for our listeners too, like if you haven't thought about unconscious bias or biases you have, I hope this is a thought provoking message to you of just think about it, right? I mean, what, what biases do you have? Why do you have them? And what can you do to change them if they are harmful? To kind of wrap everything up, I just kind of want to reiterate everything, you know, like based off like everything, in my opinion, like the most important things are just like being able to like be self-reflective on yourself. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Even if it's just asking yourself these questions. Cause like for me, it's like the reason why I get really interested in all these things is because like, I'm always kind of curious like where I land on everything. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like, I don't really know how I feel about everything. And right. to be honest, I'm still forming my thoughts on a lot of these things, right? right. Like, even if it's just, like, where I stand on certain, like, mm-hmm. topics that mm-hmm. we've sp- spoken about in the past. Right. And, you know, I would really urge our listeners, if you don't have these conversations with, like, you know, people that you're comfortable with, maybe try to have the conversation with, like, one person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say, like, Definitely. it wasn't until the whole BLM thing happened yeah. Yeah. and I reached out to my coworker and I, it was, it was, it wasn't because like they were black. It was because like I knew that her husband was a cop. Right. And so I just, I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but because I was close to her, I wanted to check in with her yeah. to see if she's okay. Because like, obviously there's a lot of like animosity towards like police. police. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I wanted to make sure she was okay. Yeah. And like that, that literally ignited us talking about like everything BLM. That's awesome. And it kind of just like, I would say that like, that was like one of the most like after hour talks that I've had. Mm -hmm. And I actually ended up like lasting like pretty long times. So, you know, like just take this as like a call, Mm -hmm. just even if it's just like one person that you trust, just have that open dialogue. Right. Absolutely. All right. On that. Heavy note. <laughs> We're gonna lead leave ourselves to even heavier rapid fire, mainly because I thought this would be a little fun, but a little grim. Let's see it. So this is gonna be a little bit different. You just okay. choose one, and you gotta choose one thing to solve. Okay. One thing to solve. One thing to solve. Like math? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, because No. X equals. One plus one. <laughs> Window. Three. All right, so it's it's kind of like uh, life altering things that will happen. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Got it. Would you rather solve world hunger or would you rather solve the pandemic? World hunger. I think sure. world hunger too. Yeah, the pandemic will. COVID's already over, man. COVID's not over. Please get vaccinated. Wait, Unless we have releases in like 2020. Anyway. <laughs> All right, yeah. I would probably be pandemic. Oh, yeah? Just because right. like... 
sense of normalcy. We can mm-hmm. work on world hunger later. We can go to raves. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. All right, so you guys said world hunger, so we'll just go with that. World hunger or like all the wars that are happening right now? Ooh, that's a tougher one. I would probably say war. I think without war, we could achieve world hunger. Because we can collaborate better. Yeah, we can collaborate on hunger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice answer. I still would say world hunger. I just, it's funny because, like, I've been watching all those, like, no child hungry, like, ads, and, like, it breaks my heart just seeing kids that are, like, can't mm. have food. So, like, world hunger for me again. I gotta side with you. Yeah. Wars. Wars. I think, right. I think yeah, without like war and conflict, we could achieve a lot. We could achieve yeah. a lot. Fair enough, fair enough. World wars? Or not yeah. world wars, but, yeah. like, wars or racism? I would like to solve race. I mean, I feel like without racism, oh, no, wars <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, I would say racism. I feel like it's just, it's, I mean, it, it's an impossibility. It feels like anyway, but um, yeah, racism. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I think I would still go with wars. Mm. I think I would still go with the wars. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Wars mm. or climate change. Climate change. 100%. Climate, climate change. Yeah. Yeah, climate change. Yeah. The world's going to burn. <laughs> it's, already it's already burning. burning. We hot. We <laughs> hot, man. For our listeners, just look up like the two degree, whatever that thing is. It's like some scary shit, man. The tipping point. The tipping point. Yeah, it's close, man. Yeah. Shit. Maybe we're already there. Well, I think we're already there. I think we're already <sighs> there, too. All right, anyways, on that note. Um, <laughs> on that depressing ass note. Yeah. <laughs> on that depressing note. Um, on that <laughs> On that depressing note, let us know your thoughts. Yeah, obviously we don't really, we're not really experts in biases. You know, like I don't, I don't think I have to reiterate this all the time. But we're still learning. Yeah. Like I myself, maybe like a couple years into just understanding myself and stuff like that in this aspect. So if you have feedback, let us know in our DMs. But other than that, adios. We out. Bye. Reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at 3AD Podcast. We know how precious time is these days, so we want to thank you for spending some of your time with us. As you go on into tomorrow, go on unapologetically, go on as a positive force, and most importantly, go on with your bad self.